action. Welcome to Torn Stubbs, the Trash Movie Podcast with me, Robert Gershenson, photographer and head of podcasts at movetotrash.co.uk and Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we're going to the movies. The Last Airbender is a 2010 fantasy directed by M. Night Shyamalan. In a mystical world where people known as benders have the ability to manipulate and therefore weaponize natural elements like water, earth, fire and air, siblings Katara, played by Nicola Peltz, and Soccer, played by Jackson Rathbone, stumble across a bald kid called Ang, played by Noah Ringer, who has strange tribal markings on his body. He turns out to be the Avatar, a prophetic bender with the rare power to control all four elements. But could he hold the key to usurping the Fire Nation, which has seized control of the world? Um, this film obviously comes kind of preloaded with this legacy of being utterly panned, utterly hated, derided across the board by basically everyone. Um, so I wanted to start out with the things that I liked about it. Oh, we're all right. Because I don't want to just like kick the puppy. Okay. Because it just seems a bit You mean. want to kiss the puppy want before to you the... punch it in its Right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to catch it off guard when I lift, you know, when I yeah. swing my fist. Lure it into a full sense of security. <laughs> And then bend the air around it. I will. I'm going to do lots of bending this episode. Um, but yeah, so the first thing that I really liked about this film was the the opening quartet intro kind of screen where you see the four elements and there's kind of the backdrop with... It's a, it's a red backdrop. It's got the gold text, which is the element, and it's got the uh, martial artists kind of performing the the moves required for the certain elements and that is lifted directly from the opening credits of every episode of avatar the last airbender because it's based on a cartoon so it's based on this it's based on this nickelodeon kids tv series um and that is like this perfect live action rendition of this opening kind of conceit from the the tv show and it's great and it looks amazing and it's like that this perfect replication of it and it's great so you're like oh yes and you go in thinking cool look at that that's great that's exactly how i wanted it to be so they got that right the second thing i loved was the drill hats which, the drill hat the drill oh and they were popping up out the floor <laughs> like the most oh ridiculous God. invention ever but um why not is that from the cartoon as well i don't think so you don't was, remember that, You've seen the cartoon. Yeah, but I don't think that's something they had in the cartoon. How many series have there been? So there's been three seasons. And when? how many seasons have come out by the time this movie came I out? I think the whole thing had been finished for a while. Oh, okay. Um, and this is like a, a complete... Well, I say complete. This is an adaptation of the first season, which first is... Six episodes. No, the first, ep- the first season is 20 episodes. 20 episodes? So six hours. Six hours, right. Yeah, six hours. I knew there was of... a number six in there somewhere. I've been yeah. watching a couple of interviews. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like they've condensed six hours into basically, what, 9,500 minutes or so? Uh, yeah, one hour 45. Yeah. Anyway, the last thing I liked about the film yes. actually is a genuine thing, um, which is Dev Patel, who, even though he is handed... Um, a script that looks like it or seems like it was written it's a stinker by, 
a stinky pig. Yeah. Um, it he does he does some great stuff with it. He's genuinely really quite um, engaging. Yes. And he really commits to this role, which is actually one of the most interesting characters in the TV series, where he's this kind of like um, disgruntled. Um, I don't think he's a prince, but he, he's like the son of the the lord of the Fire Nation. Yes. And he's kind of got a chip on his shoulder. He's got something to prove. He's been banished, um, hasn't he? Yeah. So he needs to prove to his father and his people that he's yeah. not a failure. Yeah. Which is always interesting. And he, he's so, he kind of develops across the TV series as kind of an anti-hero. Um, but he's kind of very much the villain or like a, kind of like a puppeteered villain yeah. in the first. Um, and I thought he was great in this. Like he's given some awful dialogue. He is given terrible, terrible dialogue. His character is the only one with depth. Yeah. It's the only fully realised character. Everyone else is just an idea, just a trope, just yeah. a name or a haircut. But <laughs> yeah. he, he has something to prove to Daddy and he risks his life to free the bald kid from yeah. one of the many places in this <laughs> film that he is captured and imprisoned. I can't remember which area. In, an, in a film that lasts no longer than an hour and 45 minutes, that kid gets captured a lot. Yeah. It's troubling. Yeah. Does he have an American accent in this film? I couldn't work it out. Who, Dev Patel? Dev Patel. Um, oh, I can't remember now. I don't think he does. I think he starts off with some, some sort of twang. Yeah, okay. But he deviates into his native Dev Patel tongue right <laughs> which is english which is english yeah but he is very British. he is very there is a lot of depth in his performance 80 mm. percent of the time when he's just standing there brooding and being all like you are not as powerful as i am and looking through his eyebrows it's a bit shit but that's that's a reflection of him being so undirected i feel i think that the failure of the film ultimately falls on M. Night Shyamalan. Because, oh, 100%. I mean... <laughs> Writer, producer, director. Those yeah. are the three credits that he's got. <laughs> yeah. He is earth, wind and fire. <laughs> and water. <laughs> I don't even think there's any water in this because it's so dry. Oh, God. <laughs> Book one water, so dry. Um, but the responsibility does fall on M. Night Shyamalan. And I think the issue is this. Much like David Lynch version of Dune... There is so much here. And it's such an amazing world. I really enjoyed the world building in this film as, as I enjoyed the world building in Dune. But there's so much of it that I immediately thought, am I missing something here? Because I felt <laughs> like I was watching the sequel to a film that I hadn't seen and a film that doesn't exist. Yeah. The box is only so big and it can only fit so much Everything else that's not in the box is really vital information that we're not given. So at times I didn't know what was going on. No, well, you would, ha you would be completely lost. Like I only knew what was going on from having watched the first season of Avatar. Um, and is, it, it, is it quite faithful in that it's respect? Fa it's faithful in, in the sense that it picks up elements of the stories and it does follow the trajectory of the first season. So all the stuff at the end in the South Water Village, whatever it's called, um, one of the ice villages one of the water villages yeah, yeah a water village oh of course yeah with the fish and with the, the ice and, the and all that stuff yeah that is basically the last couple of episodes of season one okay but condensed down massively and that's like the last 45 minutes of the film is you know the last few episodes of the first season of avatar yes. but before that it races through the first 
15, 16 episodes of the TV show. And it doesn't let anything breathe. And it doesn't cohere in any way. Because it doesn't, it doesn't give us the correct information. And at one point, when Ponytail Boy... Soccer. From the, from the Twilight films. Yeah, yeah. Who um, looks a bit like Jake Gyllenhaal, but not. <laughs> reminded me of Hayden Christensen in Attack of the Clones. Oh, yeah. Completely. Even just the wooden wide eye. He only had one expression. Yeah. And that was, my eyes are really big. Was he trying to be an anime character? I, I think maybe he was cast because he has that look. But but the thing is, like, the, the script removed all of the humour of all the characters. But there were some jokes that just landed completely flat. Yeah. But at one point, he says to that princess with the pinky blondy hair, yeah. like, I've been here a couple of weeks, or she says something, I've been a weeks, and I wrote down, weeks? They've literally, <laughs> they've literally just walked through the door. Yeah. There's, there was no, I didn't understand how many, I didn't understand if it was days, weeks, months, years, decades, eons. I didn't understand how the time frame of this film. Nothing yeah. was given space to breathe. Nothing was, so, so any emotional weight was just devoid. There yeah. was no weight in this film except the, like, the, the epicness of the film just completely crushed the entire film. It just collapsed under the weight of what it was trying to do. Yeah, but the thing is that he tries, so M. Night Shyamalan, he tries to hide, um, or he tries to like shortcut the story by just telling it through narration. So when they arrive at that... So uh, much, no, so much like voiceover narration. Yeah. Who is she narrating to? I know. You know I have an issue with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with that, the, the worst part that she does that is towards when they get to that the village and they meet the princess and she says... Sokka and Princess Blah Blah, they, they fell in love really quickly and they like got really close over the next few weeks. And it's like, they've, we've literally haven't seen them interact or speak or anything. And we're being told what's going to happen to them in the next few weeks apart without him seeing saying, it. Apart from him saying, I'll look after her. Yeah. Oh, you pervert. <laughs> did, actually, speaking of perversion, do you notice that the shot behind the princess? It's her hair looked like a massive <laughs> cock. <laughs> I pause it and I'm just, that's a child's room, but it looks like yeah. a huge, a huge, like, comedy 70s penis. Yeah, it does. It's hilarious. It's so bad. Is that, is that what it's like in the, the cartoon? No. no. Um, I'm glad you noticed that. I thought I had cock on the brain. No, it was, it was there. It was completely there. But yeah, but it falls to M. Night Shyamalan because he... I mean, I read up about this and he still defends it now. He talked about it in 2016 and he defended it by saying he was making a film for 10-year-olds. He was like, I don't want to make Transformers where they put Megan Fox in and get her to bend over a motorcycle for all the kids who've grown up into men or young men. Yeah. He wants to make a kid uh, a kid film. But it's like, it made me think of... Um, well, obviously, you look at all the films that are made for inverted commas kids that are amazing like pixar is a prime example but it made me think of the quote from mrs doubtfire when um robin williams's character gets the job playing with the dinosaurs because he gets um he gets i eat meat to do big feet that one yeah that one <laughs> i'm a raptor doing oh, yeah. what i can yeah he <laughs> i've seen that film a lot a lot but he talks so in his interview um when he talks about why he should be the person for this job He's like, don't talk down to kids. Just play at them, play mm. with them, and they get it. Yeah. So like this 100%. film misses that completely and just patronizes kids to the point where it becomes nonsensical. 
Does it patronise it or just is it the tone is just far too adult? Well, it doesn't trust. There's, there's politics. Trust the yeah. There's like epic explanations, but I can't imagine a child, a ten-year-old, being engaged with this. It's people stood around green screen, which wasn't too bad actually. It looked mm. pretty decent. I didn't feel like people were stood in front of green screen, even though they clearly were. But it's just people talking. There's so much talking in this film. So. Mm much talking i even wrote that down at one point there is so much talking but really awful dialogue like the bit oh, where the bit where the um the fire lord is like questioning his his second in command yeah and he's like so you're telling me that they ran away or something and there's a long pause and he just goes yes <laughs> and then at the end of the scene <laughs> what is that there's there was bits they started and never followed through so when Slumdog turned up at the, the frozen bit at the, the start and he goes, I want all your elderly. Why did he want all the elderly people? For what purpose? I don't remember that bit at all. Just literally right at the start before they discover the golden child, the bald kid. Yeah. With Tweedledum and Tweedledee. That'll be something from the TV series that I've forgotten. Then so... he gives the worst threat ever. He goes, if you don't come to the bald kid if you don't come I'll burn this village <laughs> with what? it's a it's a village made of fucking water <laughs> I know you can't burn water I know I will evaporate your well, village with my fire hands his magical fire it's just it's fantasy done so poorly because the world is amazing oh the world is uh, the world is brilliant I I didn't quite get grasp of how big the world is geographically yeah. and they kept coming up with like north south water kingdom or yeah or east ice village or some bullshit but i hadn't yeah. been given any sort of map or that had no weight to me that had no relevance it could have been in any part it was giving me information that i wasn't relevant to me and i just yeah. didn't know how it fit in yeah at least with the Lord of the Rings, it starts off with a fucking map so you can kind of gauge where everything is. Mm. And even the Dark Tower books give you a map so you can see where all these bits are that Roland DeShane will go to. Yeah. But with this, it might as well have said Croydon, Arkansas, <laughs> Brighton. Yeah. You have no idea I've where no any of this idea. stuff is. Yeah. Why is that little bald kid, why, why does he have the ability to control all four elements and not anyone else. Well, because he's... Right. So this is like the fundamental thing that the film just doesn't properly go into. Yeah. Which is he is the avatar, which is kind of this prophetic being, you know, once... It's like the Slayer. Once in a generation, a Slayer is born. In in the world of Last Airbender, the avatar is this kind of all-powerful, kind of almost like a mage, just kind of... They are... They're the ones who are going to bring balance and order to the world. Um, and he disappeared for a hundred years. He was frozen in that thing. No one knows where he went, what happened to him. So there's a whole um, backstory that yeah. is in the cartoons. And we see that. It's in the cartoons, yeah. We see it first of all in chronological order, or is it no. like in flashbacks? No, it was in flashbacks. Okay. So but when he here. goes So he kept dreaming, didn't he? He went into the spirit realm. And that's what he was doing. Yeah. When he was which like is really unclear, really unclear. Okay. And when he first when he finds the the kind of deserted temple with all the bodies in and he finds the necklace and he knows yeah, all the, the dead monks. Yes, yeah, so yeah. they were the monks who trained him. So they've all died in, in the hundred years that he was frozen in this ball. Oh, but thing. he didn't know he'd been away for a hundred years. No. Right. No. And the, that whole scene was just 
just mortifying because it just made such it wasted this this emotional thing that the tv series had and also that at that point they'd been traveling for how long and she hadn't even asked his name she was like what can i call you and it's like you you found him ages ago <laughs> a long you haven't time asked ago him now. his name i felt so sorry for her because she was really committing and she's not a bad actress she was really going for it but that was, she was just quite forgettable i thought she was good i thought she um she did her best with a really non-existent role the earth bending prison scene where all the the people are like bending <laughs> yeah. earth and stuff. That's the worst thing about the film is that it messes up the the demonstrations of power and the battles and all that stuff. Well, I was about to say that that battle scene, his his fight scenes are actually quite cool because it's usually one long roaming shot where the camera's moving around. Uh-huh. But I can't see the seams. So if it is one oh, yeah. continuous shot that then they've put special effects on. That's genuinely amazing. That's, that's extraordinary. Earth, in the Earth Village. That and then later on. Oh, okay. Because usually, you know, like in um, Atomic Blonde, you've got that uh-huh. hand-to-hand combat in the building and it's it's meant to look like one long yeah. take, but it's yeah. not. Because you can tell when they're, you know, seeming cuts together because mm-hmm. they go into someone's back and then pull out and that's when the cut was. Yeah. In this, I couldn't see where the seams were. And I don't think there were seams. I think it was generally a very well choreographed long shot, like a three, four minute long shot, like yeah. the start of um, Touch of Evil. Oh, yeah. Similar to that. But then on that, then they would... I never thought anyone would reference Touch of Evil when discussing this film. <laughs> <laughs> you threw me for a moment there. <laughs> um, but then they would place the special effects elements onto the that long shot. And I think it was extraordinary. I was really mesmerized with how he was doing his version of kung fu. Yeah, but it was at a it was at the cost of the actual fights and the the kind of the the gravity of the powers and you know there's this one bit where there's like 10 earth um benders yeah. and they're all like doing this kind of kung fu feng shui like moves and then this the solitary rock just floats across the battlefield that <laughs> like, you did what it took all of you to do that it's a heavy rock and they're tired they've been digging all day well that's true but dear god they messed it up so much all the kung fu and the tai chi stuff i thought that was quite glorious because it's kung fu in on screen it's really powerful and it's it's kind of graceful and it's really it's really good looking but there was just such a disconnect between what they were doing and what was supposed to be happening. So at the end, when Aang is like basically creating that enormous tsunami to to push back the, yes. the fire army, he's doing all this fancy feng shui where he's flipping all over the place. And it's just a kind of a just sheer wall of water. It's not moving. It's just rising up. And it's like, why are you dancing around like that, doing these beautiful balletic movements? Is but that not what it's like in the it, cartoon? No, because every single movement... It, that's why it's bending. You're bending your body to replicate the movement of the elements. Oh. So you're kind of moving. Everything is constantly moving, your body and the elements, and you're in tune with the elements. So it just made no sense that everyone's throwing themselves around and nothing is happening. It was so stupid. What did you think of the locations, that world, the look of the world? I thought it looked great. I thought it looked really cool. And they really did try to match the look of the show. Um Especially when, when they first find Aang and he's in that, that the, globe, that yeah. kind of globe of ice. It's great. It looks really water. great. Um, you know, they did, they did try. 
but it's just this felt like so I do really like M. Night Shyamalan as a filmmaker I think that he's done some amazing stuff and I'm really happy that he's had this kind of renaissance where he's come back and he's doing Glass and he did Split and even the um, even the found footage one was pretty good the one about the kids who go to stay with their grandma um, I totally forgot what it's that. called what the hell is it called I saw it The Visit yeah was it was The Visit I think so I think that was actually pretty good. But he, um, one of the great things that he said that I always think about when I'm writing um, fiction is that he talks about the vomit pass, which is you just got to get that first draft out. Don't worry about how shit it is. Yeah. Just vomit all over that page. Just yeah. get it out. And at least then you have something to work with. And this felt like his vomit pass of The Last Airbender. Oh, God, it was he like didn't he, even tidy up. He forgot to tidy up. <laughs> and it... <laughs> Like, he's such a good... It's like, does every director have the right to make one absolute turd of a film and this is his? What did what did you actually like about Last Airbender? So I really, really, really enjoyed the world building. That world looked... It was like watching a Akira Kurosawa movie mm. with special effects. Yeah. Because everyone looked like they were dressed like a Roman or a samurai or Julius Caesar or Ben-Hur. Yeah, I really enjoyed that aspect, and it gave it an epicness that I don't think could potentially exist in a cartoon, uh-huh. because you need to get a sense of how heavy those armor plates are mm. and the intricate details. And cartoons don't often go into that kind of detail. And it's those small things I think that sort of elevate this to like a, a potential epic standard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The music I enjoyed as well. I thought the music was phenomenal. I couldn't hum any, but okay. I became aware that they I were sh- actual scores. It was actual songs as opposed to a musical soundscape, which is yeah. what Marvel fall back on. Yeah, that's <laughs> I think the reviews that all panned the film, they all basically said the best thing about the film is James Howard's score. So you, oh, weren't, wow. you weren't alone. So I'm, I'm not alone. Yeah. I also enjoyed the fact that they were so arrogant that they set it up for a sequel. I know. It was meant to be a trilogy. They, they actually kind of planned it all out as a trilogy. And M. Night Shyamalan was going to adapt the entire three seasons of the TV series. Um, and obviously then it all went a bit wrong and they didn't. Um, the creators of the show, they completely disowned the film. That. um Brian Konietzko and Michael Dante DiMartino. They both worked on King of the Hill and Family Guy. and then they King of the Hill? Yeah, I know. Propane is an older this guys. <laughs> I bet they didn't give the money back, though. Well, that's the thing. I know. Disown it, but they love their new house. Oh, I'm sure they do. One thing they did do right is that they... Well, I say right. The one thing that was good about the film was that they um, had a diverse, kind of ethnically diverse cast. I mean, they... They got it wrong anyway because the lead characters, Katara and her brother, oh my God, the names, I've just forgotten the names. They should have been Chinese or Japanese or in some way Eastern, not white Americans. Yes, I Um, found the whitewashing really, really troubling because the good guys were white and the bad guys were ethnic. Indian, yeah. Yeah, and it's just, it's really troubling. It just, it plays up the old stereotypes that, Anyone who's not white is just a savage. Yeah. Or out to get you or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Just like conniving. Yeah. Scheming. And it's a rather odd occurrence considering that the writer, the director and the producer, M. Night Shyamalan, 
is an Indian American. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's weird. Like, they decided to make the Fire Nation all Indian. Yes. Being an Indian man himself. It's kind of like, um, so, what? So you're, it you're just, identifying it with the It's a really negative yeah. view of himself. And I, I listened to, I watched, I watched an interview with him where this was brought up. And he said that the characters in the original cartoon are made to look really ethnically ambiguous. Big eyes, blue eyes, not necessarily Asian or Chinese or, or Japanese or Indian or, or this, that and the other. Mm-hmm. You're meant to project yourself onto the characters, which is fine for the cartoon, but this is a live action adaptation with real people with real people so there's no way that i could project myself as a white man onto a white girl or a little kid with no hair or an indian guy Mm -hmm. bad choices have been made and it's like watching a film from the 50s with special effects yeah it was really really it just sends a really, really kind of troubling. It sends a really fudged political, sociological message where it just doesn't really make any sense. No, and like, and why did the why did the 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 bald kid with mm, the tattoo on his head, the the Airbender guy, yeah, who is quite clearly of ethnic origin, why mm. was he given? Why did he speak with an American accent? That character is clearly of Asian origin. He should have been played by either a Japanese or a Chinese guy or yeah. girl and spoken, if it's going to be in English, because I understand they're not necessarily going to subtitle the entire film, even though that would be really cool. Yeah, that would be Even so if cool. they created their own languages like George Lucas does in Star- or did do in the prequels. Yeah. He would speak English with a Japanese or a Chinese or whatever accent. Didn't all have to be American. Yeah. And it's not like they even cast big stars. No, I didn't know the kind fuck of... anyone was. It's like maybe one one person, I think. Like oh, Dev no, two Tal. people. Deb yeah. Patel and, his, and the scheming general. I only recognised him because I watched that Vince Vaughn comedy that he was in. The one who, with, um, uh, the Asif Manby. Yes. Yeah. Who is phenomenal. Well, you wouldn't know it from this film, though, would you? Well, no, but that even, you know, I've, I think I've said this before on the podcast... You can tell the quality of a great actor when they're in a shit movie, <laughs> acting against people who can't act, acting from a script that is worthless, and they still make it sound like Shakespeare. I didn't think he did. I thought he looked, I thought he looked completely lost. And he didn't have a character. Like the guy, so Cliff Curtis, who played the Fire Lord. Was that the uncle? Yeah. Okay. No, he's the the mighty leader of the Fire Nation. Oh, him, the curly Wikipedia. hair. Okay. Yeah, he Caesar essentially. Yeah, I thought he looked even more lost than um, Asif <laughs> Manvi because in the TV show you don't really see this character, the Fire Lord. He's kind of the shadowy, mysterious kind oh. of emperor figure who just kind of hangs over everything um, with his puppets on his fingers. Yes. Not literally. Um, whereas in the film, he's just this kind of really boring guy who just sits in his palace or something and sends you know commander zhao off to do stuff yeah and it's just really that's him now yeah yeah how dare you say that about my <laughs> performance no it's just it was so dry like you said earlier it was so dry i felt robbed at one point i felt robbed that dev patel wasn't given or his rather his character wasn't given the 
the victorious moment against the general. He just walked away and then the general was drowned by three or four anonymous water people. Rich bit? You know, when he's lifted up towards the end and he's put in that big sphere of water and he's drowned and he drops to the floor. Oh, yeah, that was really good. dramatic way. Yeah, Yeah. but it should have been Deb Patel's character who has his revenge. That guy's been scheming behind Dev Patel's back. He tried to kill him at one point. He blew up his big boat, which looked so cool. (laughs) That boat looked cool. Yeah. And it reminded me of uh, the Nautilus from League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, yeah. You don't remember, do you? I haven't seen it. All right. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell me like, oh, yeah. It's great. I love that film. Uh, Yeah, Uh, yeah, he was was robbed of his moment. He should have, that would have given his character a little bit of closure. Mm. Would have helped him feel you know, less worthless. Because that character has no worth. He's been banished. Yeah. Every time that he tries to get the, the golden child, the golden child fucks off. Yeah. And he has to talk to himself as the golden child is off in his trance as well. Like, it's really weird. He talks to himself. Yeah, there's, he, he gets him into that kind of like um, storage area and he's looking out the window just talking to himself about his mum and his history and it's like, I'm sorry, you're crowbarring in some exposition now at the end of the film. <laughs> when in somewhere. He's not talking to anybody. It's just terrible. But that, that death where he gets drowned by the floating blob yeah. of water, that's actually really dark. and It's incredibly dark. It's and pretty, this, is a, this is a kid's film. Yeah, and it's a kid's film, apparently. Do you feel that, that comparisons shouldn't be made to the original cartoon? Um, Do you feel that this film should be allowed to stand on its own somehow? <laughs> I think that if we... I think it needs to be um, removed as far away from the TV show as possible. <laughs> but in terms you, of adaptations, are, are adaptations ever allowed to be on their own? No, because you're going to always compare it, I think. And you, th- that's, the, that's the big fatal flaw about this film, is you can't watch this film without having watched the TV series. Really? No. Because I've, I've never seen the TV series, but I watched the film. Yeah, but you didn't understand any of it and you had no, no idea what was going on. I always see what you mean. In order to understand <laughs> yeah. what goes on, you would need to have known. Yeah. The only reason I could follow it is because I'd watched the first season of the TV show. I love Preacher, the comic book. Yeah. So I collected it from issue 38 all the way up to issue 64 and I bought all the back issues. So I've got that entire series. I love that book. As comics rather than as, as comics, a book. As individual Whoa. monthly comics. Because I've got the books, which are amazing. You've got the collected graphic yeah. novels. I was there in, in, the, in the day getting it as it was coming out. Wow. All the specials. So that, that's a really special series to me. That really taught me a lot about you know, the power of, of um, still image, but also how you sequence them and how you tell uh-huh. a story and then how you write engaging characters. So when the TV series was being made, I watched that and I was so disappointed because it was so far removed from Preacher. Everything was different. So it made me think, why even bother to call it Preacher? Why not just go, we're going to be inspired by this amazing thing that we love and we're going to do a series, but we're not going to call it Preacher we're not going to have the same characters. We're going to do something that is similar. Is it just lazy for them to go, right, we'll buy the rights to this. We love it so much. We're going to change everything and we'll make whatever shitty thing we want. It's like, I love it. Change everything. Yeah. Just for the, the fact that they know they can sell it on the name. It's all about that, isn't it? It's this really weird kind of um, dichotomy where you, you've got the brand 
you've got the brand recognition, you've got the IP, as they like to say nowadays. <laughs> and um, so you, you sell it on the, the power of the title and then you can basically do whatever you like, really. Would you watch it again? If they made a sequel and they made a sequel that understood how it fucked up this first one, because I think the ending is great. It really, like, the sister, because they they said at the beginning of the film the. I think he was saying like his sister was tougher than him and everyone was saying, why don't you send your daughter out to war or something? And boom, suddenly we get this little girl who kind of reminds me of that fucked up Japanese girl from from um, Kill That's Bill. That's what I was going to say. The one with the chain and the yeah. ball and the bleeding She's like, eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, because girls like that always really fucked up. Like some of the girls in Battle Royale Oh yeah, exactly. Just well, that's what she. That's mental. where that was from. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would love to see a sequel. I don't know if I could watch this again, but I would if I had to. If they were going to make a cool sequel or a TV series, do a Game of Thrones. There's so much world. I, I wrote down Game of Thrones because I just thought Game of Thrones is how you do it well. Yes, that's a complete adaptation, isn't it? And this it? is how you do it really, really badly. The thing is, the TV series is is an episodic TV series, and so these characters do journey through this world and each episode they have a new encounter right um, and so the film it kind, kind of, of does follow that the film does that but then it kind of just goes eh, and just breezes over yeah. half the show um and it and the fate the fatal flaw is that it it cuts out the actual emotional journey of the characters so the whole point of the first book is that Aang, the Avatar... The first book? The first, sorry, it's called Book 1, Book 2, Book 3. That's... Oh, I noticed that at the yeah, start of the film, yeah. but then they never said anything... No, so it's not yeah, like they, Series 1. It said Book 1 at yeah. the beginning, beginning of the film, but they never said Book 2, so I'm imagining... No. So the, series... the whole film is film Book 1. Film would be... Right, I get it. Because okay. Series 1 of the TV show is Book 1. Okay, right. Um, but the, the emotional journey is Aang discovering how to become this master... Bender. I just can't say the word bender without laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the whole point of the, of the first season. And also, um, and also Katara, when she, she kind of, she starts out starting to be a waterbender and she's not particularly good. And then throughout the first series, she learns how to harness this power and she comes up against all sorts of um, prejudice. Like girls aren't allowed to be fighters. Girls aren't allowed to be benders. <laughs> it just sounds so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the last airbender directed by m night Shyamalan. why did they not go with the full title avatar oh yeah so we need to talk about that because when um this this came out the year after james cameron's avatar and there was a oh, huge that makes sense there was a huge legal battle over the word the word avatar he doesn't and, own that um, word it's a it's a word. Yeah, I know. You can't have the word, Cameron. I know. And actually, it's probably talking about should things be, should adaptations be able to stand apart from their original things. Yeah. I'm glad that this doesn't have the word Avatar on it because that helps separate it from the TV series. Um, but inevitably, of course, as we know, James Cameron won the legal battle and he got to use the word Avatar. Um but it, it, I mean, it doesn't really matter that they didn't get to have the word Avatar in the title for the film because... They still fucked it up. They still fucked it up and they still don't really explain what the Avatar is. They're just kind of like, oh, there's, there's this weird kid with a glowing arrow on his head. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to watch the cartoon. 
Watch it. It's on um, Amazon Prime. It's really good. Is it? Yeah. Oh. It's really good. I shall be doing that this evening. You'll be there. You'll be there. Oh, are they like, like 20 minute episodes? Earth, air, fire. There's uh, 20 episodes for season one, yeah. No, no. 20 minute episodes. Yeah. Oh, easy peasy. Yeah. Easy peasy. You can watch it on the way home, Rob. I could watch it tonight. I could also tweet at Torn Stubbs Pod. If you like this movie, let us know. If you don't like this movie, let us know. And subscribe on the Apple Podcast app so you never miss an episode. We're off to bend things. Which power would you have, by the way? I would probably have water because I love it so much. That's weird. Um, what is it? Earth, wind, fire and water. Hang on. What? Earth, air. Air. But yes. air is like wind and stuff. Yeah, I guess it? so. Earth, air, fire and water. Yeah. I think I'd go for fire. Really? Yeah. Because it's cool. No, it's not cool. It's really hot. <laughs> Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Joshua Winning. Cut.